0: This is Jeram with episode 19 of More Life. In this episode, Hassan Rafiq and I talk about being deeply present in the moment, the boost of creativity nature can provide, and much more. Hassan is a seasoned HR professional with over 15 years of experience in DEIB, learning and organizational development, HR transformation, and leadership development. He has a deep commitment to innovation and has built systems and tools that drive greater equity within organisations. For his work, he was awarded the 2019 DEI Innovator of Year Award by Great Places to Work. During his tenure at Meta, he led the Coaching for Inclusion programme to accelerate the global team's inclusive leadership capability. Before this, he worked his way up through HR functions at EY. In his earlier role as head of diversity and inclusion for Middle East North Africa, he launched the first women's professional network in the region. Hassan is a professional certified coach and founder of the Coaching for Inclusion practice for C-suite executives and senior leaders. Currently, he is the VP at the Organizational Development Center of Excellence at New Newsela, where he leads with DEIB as the center of the employee engagement and development strategy. And more life we explore questions such as how can we feel more alive and how can we create more aliveness around us from a variety of perspectives if that's something for you join all the others and subscribe asan welcome to the show and i want to start right away with the first question how do we create more life
1: well thank you so much uh jorim for having me it's a really good question it's an interesting question so my background is uh diversity equity inclusion and belonging practitioner uh, practitioners and coaching so i'll answer this question with those two lenses in mind the first one would be from a dni perspective so in order for us to feel more alive we need to first understand how are we being so b-e-i-n-g how are we being what is our being And the reason why I say that is for us to pause and reflect on the reason why we are called human beings and not human doings Mm. is very important. But in our fast-paced, complex, matrixed world where we have so many tasks to complete, we need to analyze how we are completing those tasks. Are we alive in those tasks or not? So take a moment to analyze your day and start asking yourself a few questions. What gives us energy during the day? What drains our energy during the day? What helps us feel like we belong to something or someone while we are doing something? And we can contribute to something that is bigger than ourselves and feel a sense of being alive in those moments also very important is the ecosystem and i think i focus more on ecosystem versus the individuals because if we are in an environment that helps us whether it's at work or at home feel like we belong automatically you feel more alive in in those conversations so again the reason why i share these questions for us to think about is first we need to analyze are we alive today really hmm. and what does it look like? What does it feel like? How can we be more alive by creating a sense of belonging for ourselves, for others, by being present, and also focusing on tasks that give us energy? Now, from a coaching perspective, it becomes even more interesting because now you can ask very powerful questions to deep dive into what does more alive look like? Mm. So as an example, everyday moments, we have... um, activities we have tasks to complete understanding what are those moments where we are in a flow state so just not to go too much from a neuroscience perspective a flow state means where we lose track of time you're doing something that the time just flies or is still mm-hmm. time is still going on but it's that flow state that we are in um, that helps us either lose track of time or be present in that moment what are those moments in our day because that's where we feel the most alive we are so immersed into something that we lose track of time Um, secondly what fulfills us now i have coached so many senior executives who have a day job but that does not fulfill them yeah And that's where you feel more alive, whether it's community work, whether it's offering mentorship to others, whatever it is, identify what fulfills us as human beings and double down on it. And of course, there has to be trade-off between things that you do. But if you're able to just identify what fulfills us, you will be able to nurture more aliveness in your day-to-day interactions. And the most important of all is because of these so many distractions that we have, technology enabled, knowledge, technology enabled, we are being bombarded with so much information. Are we present for ourselves Mm -hmm. and others? And when we are in conversations, are we fully present? Are we listening to what is being said and what is not being said? What is being conveyed and not being conveyed? I think we talked about this earlier. You and I are in this conversation. There is so much diversity that I can't see. Because I Mm -hmm. can't see, I may not be valuing it. Like examples include language, stylistic, cultural differences. I can't be fully present if I am not seeing any of those. And that can create friction between people. So ask ourselves this question in conversations Am I fully present? What does it look like? And the moment you start to focus on that, you bring more of yourself to a conversation.
2: Hmm, very nice. Um, I am reminded of something that I teach my
0: students when, when i when I teach them coaching. they initially have this fear of not having a, a question ready mm-hmm. when the other person is done speaking. And I try my best to take that fear away and tell them I often don't know what to say when the other person is done sharing because I'm not in my head, mm-hmm. because I'm I'm deeply present and listening. And when they're done, I notice, okay, they're done now. And then I start thinking about what, ma- what direction do we want to go? Mm-hmm
1: yeah, I, I love that. And I also think if you sit in their answer long enough, you'll find the next question. because mm-hmm. if it if the focus is on the other person and what they are sharing, they are sharing information with you that you can go a little deeper in. And like you, you know this way better than anyone else. Coaching is you are an empty vessel. You don't have an agenda. It's about yeah. the conversation and generating insights by building on that conversation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. While, while you were talking about looking at one's day and the different
0: tasks that one is doing, I, I my mind directly started analyzing my own day. And there, there are certainly things that I could probably do a bit different and then enjoy much more. And it's, it's easy to catch myself, but it's not so easy, at least for me, to actually then change it the next time I'm, I'm carrying yeah. out that task.
1: Yeah, and I think that's exactly the direction people need to go in is to create that moment of reflection. Even it is as simple as at the end of the day, when you are about to sleep, take five minutes and look at all the interactions you had today Mm. and pick one that you want to do differently tomorrow by being more present and continue to build on this habit.
2: I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I am on the journey of
0: paying more attention to being present again a couple of years ago I was very very I think two years ago actually I was very focused on that and I enjoyed it a lot and I noticed how um, also because somehow there was very little time stress in my days um, I could really soak up every single conversation I had doesn't matter didn't matter with whom and mm-hmm. I've lost that a little bit over the last two years yeah. by you know things picking up picking up speed and and also myself you know my my focus fading fading to other things,
1: yeah yeah and i I see this also in my coaching practices everyone wants to go fast and faster, and I always say if you slow down, you can go faster, so slow down to go faster. Because you will realize when you slow down, you're purposefully taking in more information, more of your surrounding, and more of people who are having those conversations with you. And then you can go faster. But I think as a society, we over-index on being fast and the first to move. And that may not be meaningful for everyone. And that's also a diversity lens that we need to think about.
0: Yeah. I am happy that I'm not living in the Netherlands or Germany anymore because <laughs> they have a, a faster speed of life than than in Southern Europe. We're, we're in Spain now before we were in Portugal and it's mm. all a bit more relaxed. Sometimes it's annoying me, but most of the time <laughs> I can actually appreciate that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: and And I know that there are, you know, when when I when I talk about that with people, there's often the sense of longing for that which I apparently have. Well, I mean, I don't. I work online, so it it is not that I'm fully in the Spanish culture, mm. but um, it it does surround me in a way, and I believe that individuals do have quite. Quite a power to actually implement that in their own lives, mm-hmm.
2: even if their surrounding is fast paced.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it comes down to choice. Our life is a choice, we have so many choices to make. And it is your choice to think that you can multitask and get more done. And neuroscience refutes that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not possible so it's up to us to make that choice if i want to be engaged in a conversation do i slow myself down or do i have a conversation that may not be meaningful for myself or others mm. and that's a choice
2: yeah yeah that's right now i'm i'm wondering um if you just uh, an
0: imagined situation maybe you've had similar situations in the past though if you have a conversation with a person and you notice that they're not present what has worked for you to bring them to the presence
1: yeah so this is very much a personal journey so this person needs the level of self-awareness of how they are showing up to a conversation And some people have it, some don't. So it does require a a conversation. But at the same time, it's an understanding of how am I contributing to their success, right? And if someone is coming to a conversation where they're not fully present, you can also, you also have a choice to stop the conversation and ask for a better time where they're fully present, Some of the uh, tips that I do share with my coaching clients is to get rid of all the technology when you're entering into a conversation. Because if you have your mobile sitting right next to you, that's a third person. And a third person is listening into the conversation, right? Or a third person will interrupt the conversation. A third person will create an emergency call and you are now distracted. You booked this time for this person which is person A, which is the real human being. Mm -hmm. Let's give the full time to this human being so that they can share how they are feeling, whatever their concern is, and be fully present in that conversation. So if there is one thing that I would suggest is get rid of technology when you're entering into a conversation. Of course, we can't get rid of this this laptop because we are having it (laughs) through this, (laughs) uh, the conversation through this, but all the other gadgets around us will will be there to create a moment where there is distraction. Secondly, I think it's also individually, we need that self-analysis that I talked about when you asked the first question is, how am I showing up to these conversations? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Am I curious about people's feedback on how did that go? And not just being curious, what am I doing to improve that interaction? All of that is self-analysis. If we do that really well, five minutes a day, then our conversations will become more energizing, more um, vibrant and more giving for others and for others to give us too. You know, you just
0: made me aware. Uh, Right before we started recording, I um, shared with you that I had all my devices off or on do not disturb and and you Mm -hmm. nodded. And I was like, we should have. I mean, I I do that. I say that because we're going to record. But actually, that will be a good beginning of every conversation. Yeah.
2: yeah,
1: yeah. I remember when I was in the in the Middle East, there was a, um, a facilitator who would do trainings. And the moment you're walking into the training room, he would have a box, and in that box you would put your laptop, your mobile phone, and everything in that box, labeled and. It's put away on a side. And you could literally see on tables, people were, uh, can I just go and check my mobile for a second? <laughs> your mobile does not run your life. You run your life and you make choices. But over time, I think technology has taken over our lives and it's up to us to decide what we want to do with it. It's a choice.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean we we have a lot of very useful tools, mm-hmm. and that's why we we, we have technology and surround ourselves su- surround ourselves with it. But it is a an important point to become very aware of does does this technology help me do the thing that I actually want to do, or yeah. does it help me do something else that I actually did not want to do?
1: yeah and the just a side note there was a funny um, story that i was reading there were two two crows sitting on a wire and they were looking at a scarecrow and one of them said that's a scarecrow we should not be scared and he said uh, the other one said how do you know and the other crow said it does not have a mobile in its hand <laughs> because if it is a human being who's going to shoot us, will have a mobile in their hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scarecrow. <laughs> and it's so yeah. funny, but it's also true in our lives, it's all about the technology that we use and it's slowly and gradually taking over our lives.
2: Mm. Mm. So let's let's
0: actually move on and zoom out a little bit. Mm-hmm. With the question, how can I create more aliveness around me for the people that's mm-hmm. around me for maybe my team or or my family, my friends?
1: Yeah, so I would tie it back to the first one. The first and most important piece is you yourself. Who do you have control over you yourself? You don't have control over your environment. You can have control over your environment if you start to show up differently in that environment. So the first and foremost, I think we talked about this is I would heavily focus on being present. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways you can start to develop that skill is being more mindful and practicing mindfulness for yourself. And the moment you start to do that, you you start to engage with your surroundings, you pay more attention to the details and appreciate the beauty around yourself and create experiences where others can do the same. So that's the starting point. I would still say it starts with the individual. If you want to create that environment for everyone else, you need to lead from the front to do that. Um mm-hmm. uh, analyzing what our connections look like today. Are they genuine connections? Are we fostering genuine connections? Are we having deeper conversations? When we are listening, are we actively listening or are we listening to respond? I think Stephen Covey has this uh, seek to understand before being understood. Right. And that shows we are truly focused on the other individual, we are demonstrating empathy, and then we are also creating opportunities for shared experiences. because In all my work around ENI, what I have realized is we have more similarities than we have differences. And the moment you create an opportunity for someone to share a similarity, you create a connection. And then that connection is genuine and can go deeper and you get to know about this individual um a very simple uh, tip there is to be curious and embrace curiosity in multiple conversations because when we are curious we are in the exploratory mindset and it allows us to explore what is different so as an example i'm curious about why are you different why do you react to things differently Why do you think differently? Why do you react in certain situations in a way that I would never react that way? By being curious about all of those things, I'm having a learning mindset where I'm seeking out new experiences and that Mm -hmm. also ignites my own passion to be better. If you do the same for others, you nurture that curiosity in them by encouraging them to ask questions Questions lead to conversations. Conversations lead to deeper connections. Mm. Um, If there is one thing that the pandemic has taught us is we are not designed to be indoors. (laughs) So (laughs) I would always encourage people to connect with nature. There is a Mm. lot of neuroscience behind it. If you take a five to 10 minute walk and if you let your brain wander, you get the best ideas.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Best ideas do not come in a brainstorming sessions. (laughs) Because you can't force creativity, right? So how much time are we spending outside? Because that will make us more alive. Who are our friends that we haven't met? We have went to movies with them, but let's go for a walk and have a conversation. So the more we are outdoors, the easier it becomes for us to be more alive and connect with nature and appreciate nature. Lastly, I would say we as human beings should be grateful for so many things so many things in our life and the question would be do we practice gratitude every single day mm-hmm. are we regularly acknowledging the blessings that we have in our lives whether it's good friends whether it's parents whether it's children are we expressing explicitly that grat- gratitude for ourselves and for others and by practicing that you creating Opportunities for others to be grateful to you, or others to be grateful for others, and that also creates contentment. It creates alignment. It creates aliveness for us to appreciate what's around us, even if it is nature, whatever it is. Again, I uh, sometimes share with uh, some of the leaders that I coach is at the end of the day, take five minutes, write down what are you grateful for today.
2: Yeah.
1: Who are you grateful to? And just put it aside and do that every single day. After 30 days, you will realize there are so many people in our lives that we are grateful to. Think about, have you expressed it for them? Because the moment you express gratitude for others, you are creating more aliveness for them. So those would be a few things that I would uh, think about.
2: Very nice. Thank you.
0: I really like all of the points and they they resonate with me a lot. Um what what comes up for me now is that I have my gratitude practice every evening. I usually I write it down, sometimes I just do it in my head. But um yeah, there there are four questions, and one of them is what am I grateful for? But I almost never express it to mm. the other person if it is a person. Yeah. So you gave me an inspiration to change that and yeah. Maybe maybe even look back at my notes and reach out to some people.
1: Yeah. And it is purposefully designed as a reflection exercise but you can convert that reflection into action. And again it starts a different conversation. And I just feel, especially in the Western world, we are not grateful that much. We're just always running after the next, next big thing. Uh, What are we grateful for? What what we have today. And it is a blessing for the people that we have today in our lives. So making a note, self-reflection is very important. Converting that into action is even more important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Now, I know that you
0: are writing a book about coaching for inclusion and you mentioned creativity cannot be forced and we're most creative when we're outdoors. Mm. Do you do writing or or chapter outlines or anything outside?
1: I do a lot. And I think especially when we have a little garden, when I go in, in the garden, it just switches the whole environment. I can write for hours. And if I do that comparison sitting on my laptop and doing it, so I do it the um, in a different way. I write it first and then I type it. So it takes longer. But there are so many moments of reflection while when you're doing that. And especially if you do it in nature, works for me, may not work for others. When you do it in nature, it just creates a different environment. And that environment helps you think. Um, in a way that that is very supportive for the work that
2: you're doing. Okay, nice. Very nice. So we have a little garden and
0: I recently got a new laptop and I paid attention to the screen being very bright so that I can actually sit outside Mm -hmm. and use it. Um, But it is... I I feel the same as you in that it is so different when I just sit outside with a piece of paper and a pen compared to a Mm. laptop.
1: Yes. Yep. And I have seen uh, one of the pictures that you shared on social media with your breakfast, lovely breakfast, very healthy, (laughs) and (laughs) love the garden in the background. I I was so inspired by it. Mm. And I also feel like you were saying we can do this experiment and maybe uh, your audience can experiment with this too. One day, take a piece of paper and a pencil and go and sit in a garden or in a park and try to write the next day, take your mobile phone and do the same exercise. The next day, take your laptop and do the same exercise and then compare the quantity and quality of what you produced.
2: Mm.
1: Simple exercise. It again, this is not set in stone. This is just experiential. It may, the outcome may be different for different people. But in my case, when I did that experiment, paper always won. Hmm. Paper and pencil always won.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. So when, when I have my, my, when I coach my clients, I actually, take notes with pen and paper Mm -hmm. and after that put it you know digital and I sometimes I I don't have pen and paper ready and then you know in a conversation maybe not a coaching conversation but another conversation I take notes typing and it's so different Mm -hmm. it is so I mean I can write much faster typing yeah, But I get so much more distracted by, you know, spelling mistakes or, or yeah. whatever, the formatting mm-hmm. and, and looking at it. Oh, what did I write? Okay. Um, and I get lost so quickly. Yeah. I get lost so quickly. And when I just write it down on my piece of paper, it somehow allows me to be much more present with the other person still.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and again, this is where technology can be a big enabler. As an example, there is technology now available that can transcribe this whole meeting for you. So you can be fully present. That's an enabler, right? For a Mm -hmm. better conversation. Don't have to focus on taking notes and all of that. Technology will do that for you. So how we have that conversation is more important than the notes. What kind yeah. of questions do we ask? How do we generate insight for this individual and make it meaningful by being fully present in the conversation? And technology in this case will be an enabler.
2: Yeah, true. Hmm. Um, so let me just think back. You mentioned curiosity Nature and what was the third one? Belonging. Belonging, right? Um, I I'm a very curious person,
0: <laughs> and I... I I really enjoy learning about about people and their differences, and because you have this background and, and work with that was diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, I want to ask you, if there is any difference, how can I empower people who are, let's say, very different from mm-hmm. me to experience aliveness as well?
1: Yeah i think curiosity in your case is your superpower so you should absolutely use it and in this case i would definitely say curiosity matters why because lived experiences for people is are different so you might have marginalized communities underrepresented communities they have a different lived experience it can be yeah. by race it can be by gender so the starting point in this case would also be am I curious about that lived experience that may be different okay and you can start with how can I foster inclusion respect in in the environment this is an ecosystem question it's not an individual question but we also know individuals make up the ecosystem So. As a leader, as a manager, as an individual, how am I creating an environment where people from diverse backgrounds feel welcomed and valued? We have heard this multiple times. The moment belonging happens, in the background, someone is being seen, heard, and valued, right? So I also add respect to it because sometimes respect is the starting point for differences to be valued, to be seen, seen, and heard. So if you want to promote a culture of inclusivity, that starts with how are people showing up to conversations? If you're curious about those differences that are showing up in that conversation, and if you're fostering inclusion, then it cannot happen without encouraging dialogue and active listening, Mm -hmm. because that supplements the environment. And often respectful dialogue, especially when there are contentious issues like race, gender, and so on, requires respect as the foundation. We will agree to disagree in on this topic. And we will at the same time value the experiences, perspectives, and aspirations of those who are different to us to be seen, heard, and valued. And that's a very hard thing to do because you can encourage dialogue yet still not have active listening. So people are hearing what you're saying. They're not listening to what, what you're conveying.
2: Mm.
1: So if you do that really well, it creates a sense of openness, safety for people to, to be more alive, to share how they are feeling. I also feel there is a opportunity gap in who shares when. Mm. So participation is not equally distributed especially if we pay attention to differences that we don't see language stylistic and cultural differences. If English is my second language, I'll take a little longer to express myself in English and I will be reluctant to participate, right? Mm-hmm. If I am a circular thinker, I'll need more time. And if you're operating in an environment that is fast paced, English is the first language you will have fast speakers and you will lose out on the opportunity. So thinking about all those nuances and are we providing opportunities for participation across equitably? Mm -hmm. And then also when we are doing projects, decision-making processes, whose voice is overpowering all the other voices or do we have equity in there too? Um, There is the concept of allyship. I think allyship matters a lot in this case. the way i see it is be an active ally not just an ally an active ally so when you see certain things happen in the environment that you're part of whether it's discrimination prejudice inequity whatever it is a first you need to be aware of all of those inequities You need to educate yourself. It is not the responsibility of the marginalized community to educate you. It is your responsibility. And the moment you become more aware of it, how are you going to advocate? How are you going to amplify their voices? All of that creates the ecosystem that you want where differences can flourish, both visible and non-visible, where people feel that they are seen heard and valued, respected for their input as well as they can express themselves truly. That's a very hard thing to achieve because oftentimes people are guarded in what they share. If you do all of those things, it creates that environment where you will start to see different perspectives surface. And what you do as a leader with those different perspectives matters even more because that is where you can easily see I'm seen and heard, but you know what? This person does not value my input because they didn't do anything about it. So action is very important when it comes to being an ally.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: What I interpret or maybe assume to interpret at least is that perhaps, hopefully, it is not so important to be perfectly equitable, but Mm -hmm. to be open, respectful and listen and give opportunities for everyone to
2: share yeah
1: yeah and i agree i think this is this is a journey it does not happen with so hassan said do these four things and we'll have equity it does not operate that way it is are you actively doing things that create equity in the environment and sometimes you will stumble and that's okay as long as you are on this journey and you're showing, demonstrating steps towards more equity, steps towards a safe environment where you can create more aliveness for everyone. You're on the journey, and you're making progress.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I'm thinking back of an educational program that I was part of as a mentor, and there was an issue with. Um, discrimination and mm-hmm. I was actively trying to
2: support the people who felt um excluded, but the individuals who um well
0: it was a, a combination of of speaking and presenting something that was hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, they and the represent representer of that the the organization behind it uh the the person of the organization behind it they did not understand the problem Mm -hmm. because they had never faced anything like that yeah and that was really difficult for me
1: yeah and i think that is an example of active allyship because in most cases what i have discovered is people are not they don't have a plan to exclude someone they don't wake up with this dream that you know what today I'm having a conversation with Jorim I'm going to exclude him that's my goal majority of the time it is how I show up to this conversation the differences that I can see or cannot see my level of self-awareness creates that exclusionary experience for you right I need to do that self-awareness I need to understand why this conversation may be hurtful for some people. Why it can cause harm to some people and the reasoning behind it. I think you mentioned it earlier. It's curiosity. If someone is reacting to a certain thing that you have never experienced that kind of reaction, that's a moment to be curious about. Why is that reaction? Not be judgmental, but curious about why is that reaction and understand it and that will lead to your greater self awareness and make you a better human being
0: yeah
2: yeah exactly um i i think i was ill prepared but
0: i did show up as an ally and i i did i did share that i could not fully understand but you know i've i've been excluded before i've been discriminated before so i i shared that and And also, you know, shared that I would be there for them to talk whenever they wanted, and yeah, it is. It was still difficult. It was still difficult. There was still a lot of tension, and I actually don't know what like how they felt in the in the very end because it was not possible for me to catch up. But um, it is it is an area that I want to be better equipped to. Handle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that right there is a very good example of being an ally, being active and being more self-aware and continue on the journey. Mm-hmm. Because these are the moments that will either shake you or you'll say, Well, ah, what could I have done differently? What do I need to know to make sure if something like this happens next time, my plan of action, what would it be? And sometimes people don't take those next steps because they they said I did the best that I could based on the knowledge that I have you need to build on that knowledge Mm. you need to have a different plan next time so that you can support these individuals even more
0: yeah you shared with me in a previous conversation a very powerful tool to relate to people who might feel excluded do you mind sharing it here as well the personal I, inclusion narrative, I think
1: you call yes, it. Yes, yes. So uh, this was uh, something that I built a, as a result of the uh, a coaching engagement where a very senior executive in the in the tech world was simply just not aware of their own personal connection to DNI. And I always look at it as diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is for everyone. Every single person on this planet has a story, a timeline of feeling included or excluded, feeling belonged or not belong. And the whole framework is designed with how do you think about inclusion, which is mostly around your head, the way we think about it. Are you passionate about it, which is your heart? And what are you doing about it to advance inclusion, which is your hand. So head, heart, and hand. You can use any terminology you want to, but it all starts with going a little deeper into your own inclusion and exclusion experiences and going as deep as childhood, school, college, university experiences, work-related experiences. When you do that exercise, you realize even though I may be from the majority, but there have been moments where I have been excluded. Now I have a greater understanding of what it feels like, because that creates that self-reflection. The second part of it is, again, focusing on what am I going to do about it? And what do I need to learn more about it? And that is where you also discover people have different passions. So someone wants to advance more gender parity, someone wants to uh, make sure that our LGBTQIA+ community feels safe. <clears throat> that is where their own personal p- passion comes for DNI. But the I, whole idea is for everyone to understand how does DNI relate to them as an individual, irrespective of their race, gender, whatever the difference is. And how can they proactively share some of that to create more resonance with uh, others on their team who may be thinking that, you know what, you are a person of privilege because you represent the majority. Mm -hmm. But yet still, if you are curious, I have experiences of inclusion and uh, experiences of exclusion too. Here is what they look like. And here is what I learned from it. And most cases, if you are a senior executive, you don't spend enough time doing that. But what I have realized through my coaching practice, that is exactly what people are looking for. Can you tell us what your connection with DNI is? and can you personalize it versus talking points given from the comms team to talk about dNI?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: the personal connection is way, much more powerful than the talking points,
2: yeah, I think I
0: think it it really stuck with me when you told me that because it was an idea a framework that is so simple it is mm-hmm. easy to remember
2: yeah
0: and i can i can already see just with your story how impactful it can be
1: and it's also designed with the same mindset reflection yeah reflect on who you are your journey your story put it down in writing and reflect on it even more Mm-hmm. And then pick out from your life experiences the inclusion and exclusion experiences.
2: Yeah. Great.
0: Um I want to <clears throat> slowly bring our conversation to an end. Mm-hmm. But I have one more question. Sure. Which is what's the best change you've recently implemented in your life?
1: So especially with the with the pandemic. I used to, before the pandemic, meditation was something that I did on the side. It was, gave me relaxation, helped me focus on what I need to do. But with the pandemic, what I realized that it became like more of a sanctuary for me. So I doubled down on it. And what I also realized how important it is from the perspective of paying attention to how you're feeling every single day making notes of it and trying to be, I always say, trying to be fully present in all the conversations that you're in. Because if someone says I'm fully present in every single conversation that I have every single day, not true, not possible because of all the distractions that I have. So that is something that uh, meditation and further mindfulness has helped me even more in being present in most of my conversations. Uh, and the second is, um, more recently, I have s- started doing more coaching because I'm learning so much, and I feel like it's more of my calling than anything else. And the DNI coaching is is very very interesting because every coaching engagement you learn so much from your client because they are sharing all of it is confidential but sensitive information about their lives. Around E and I, mm. and trying to resolve them, and that's that's the best learning experience that I can get. Even if I compare to all the trainings and the courses and the coaching labs that I've done, that one-on-one is is the most powerful. So I've started mm. taking in more coaching clients.
0: Nice. Oh, good to hear. I resonate with that learning. I, I don't know. I. I find it sometimes difficult to uh, well, it's not really true i w- I was going to say appreciate the the content of trainings, but i I do appreciate it, but i I noticed that actually doing and interacting and in, in that case coaching, yeah, I learn so much more from it. and um yeah. that comes through presence and that comes also for me through. Uh, listening back to the conversations if if i get the um if if i'm allowed to record them just for my own purpose to listen back to them and and hear again what i didn't hear the uh, the first time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i learned so much from that
1: yeah and and maybe this is a question for you if you feel and you have such a huge uh coaching uh, presence as well as so many coaching clients diverse backgrounds if you ever feel like every coaching conversation or engagement is a transformation for yourself too because you come out of it differently um i don't know if you have experienced that because because that also helps you shift the way you think about your own coaching practice
0: it does it does for sure i i get reminded of things by my clients i get new insights through them Uh, i sometimes change my daily practices because of things that we discussed in the coaching and i see the world sometimes through new eyes just because of that yeah yeah
1: yeah i i love that transformation because it just shifts the way you think about everything
0: yeah and it is it is so enriching i mean uh, it can happen in a in a conversation with a friend too, if it is a deep conversation, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I just have this opportunities to soak up somebody else's view of the world. And yeah. through that I can learn so much, especially if I pay a lot of attention.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. I think that's a great point to end this conversation on. Hassan, thanks a lot for being here. Thanks for the conversation. It was a great pleasure to have you on.
1: No, thank you so much for the opportunity. And I really enjoyed our conversation and look forward to more of these.
0: Thank you for listening. If you got something out of this podcast episode, share that with your friends or colleagues, or even with me by sending a message on my socials. Subscribe to get notified about new episodes and leave a rating or comment in your app to help others find more life. If you have requests for future topics or suggestions for fitting guests, email me at joram at emerge prospercom In the next episode, Marianne Noodle and I will talk about grief and how to emerge from it with a bigger purpose of life. Thanks again, and hopefully, until next time.